Well, Colin, I feel like we're going to record this episode of Real Pod Wednesdays and then news is going to break like two hours after we publish it because that seemed to be the way things have gone for us lately here on Real Pod Wednesdays. And that was certainly the way it was last week where uh, we didn't spend a ton of time talking about Illinois, but uh, we certainly didn't expect what was coming kind of started to happen on Wednesday afternoon and then ultimately resulted on Friday in the game Friday, late Friday night after I'd already driven to Champaign for that matter, that Ohio state would not be going to Champaign and playing Illinois due to an increase in COVID-19 cases at Ohio state. And I think we always knew this was a possibility for this season, Colin, but until it actually happens, it, it doesn't quite hit you. And certainly, you know, we, we saw this past week how quickly things can change in a football season being played during a pandemic. Yeah, Real Pod Wednesday sounds like a really, you know, cool name until you realize that everything happens on Wednesday and our podcast says an hour of shelf life every week, doesn't it? <laughs> well, let's fingers crossed that that's not going to happen this week. Yeah, the fingers are crossed, um, and I should mention just off the gate before we even get into this that I'm sitting in a house that has no power, and I'm in the complete pitch dark at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night, Um, so if my audio isn't awesome, you can't blame me. You can can just blame the power company or the, the foot of snow that got dropped onto Cleveland, Ohio, but as Tim May would say, I digress. Um, you know, it was, it, it, it was, it was one heck of a week. It felt like to me, you know, it's, I don't know if you thought this way, uh, Dan about last week, but you know, it sort of reminded me of the Maryland week, but instead of the Maryland week, like my main takeaway from the Maryland week when that game got canceled was, you know, it's not a big deal unless something else happened. And to me, like the, the news was, this was that other thing. And we just, it's just so hard to figure out how things are actually going to unfold. I mean, you, I mean, you spent a lot of time. We all spent a lot of time wondering, you know, what does this mean for the big 10 championship? What, what happens if they play this game? What happens if they don't? And then Michigan obviously is dealing with COVID-19 at their campus too. There's just so much uncertainty right now. It's just, it's hard to know how this plays out. But to me, this was the other shoe that, you know, we had sort of been waiting to drop and everybody would hope that it wouldn't drop. And then it did drop. Well, I think the big difference with the Maryland week was it was just, I mean, the Maryland, it just, it just kind of happened. First of all, I mean, the way these stories kind of unfolded from our perspective was different because if this Illinois one, the news started to leak out on Wednesday and you kind of wondered what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And then it ultimately culminated in getting to the point on Friday night where Ohio state couldn't play the Maryland week it just came out of nowhere. Like we hadn't heard anything. And all of a sudden the game was canceled. That was off. No game that week. But I agree with you in, in the point that, you know, I think when a Maryland cancellation happened, you know, you thought about it and thought, you know, this is disappointing for Ohio state, but you also thought, you know, this, this doesn't really hurt Ohio state that much as long as it can keep playing because it wasn't because of a COVID outbreak at Ohio state. It was because of a COVID outbreak at Maryland, but now, you know, this is a whole different ball game for Ohio state because 
this is directly affecting Ohio State. And even if Ohio State is able to play the rest of its games, we now know that there's a significant number of players who are going to be out for at least the next two weeks because they tested positive. We don't know who those players are yet. We can't speculate on who those players are because we just don't have enough information to do that. But we know Ohio State's going to be without some players for next couple weeks. We know that if Ohio State plays Michigan State on Saturday, that they're going to be without Ryan Day. And, you know, I, I, I just, I think back to last week's pod and how we spent half the show talking about the pass defense. And I just think that, you know, every time this stuff happens, it, it, it's kind of a, you know, slap across the face that kind of puts everything in perspective because you realize we can spend all this time talking about, you know, the secondary and the different issues that are happening on the field, but then something like this happens and those issues suddenly feel really small again, because the reality is the biggest threat to this season for Ohio state is, and always has been COVID-19. And, and now it's something that they really have to navigate here at a time where they really need to win. And they really need to be at their best to try to punch their ticket to the college football playoff and keep those playoff hopes alive. Yeah, they're in a heck of a spot because it comes at it comes at just you know it comes at it, it comes at the point of the season and the and the point of the year where the takes are the hottest, where decisions are getting made, where where every single time on on Tuesday night when the college football playoff rankings come out, they get dissected to to a, to such a huge degree and and for good reason because like this isn't this isn't early November or anything like this is we're in December by now when we're, when we're recording this when these latest college football playoff rankings came out and even though you know the the final ones aren't until I believe December 19th you know we are we are not that far away from that so it's hard it's hard to have a conversation I, I mean there's just so much going on because on on one hand like you you just think about you know on Saturday like it was clear the pain that Ryan did they had when he was going through this like like he you don't really see him in that kind of mood I think the way that I would describe it is just like you know he he was so upbeat for so long and and you know he was leading this fight like that was their charge they were gonna fight um and then it just felt like on Saturday you know one he's dealing with COVID-19 and two I think Chris Holtman sort of said it on Tuesday too is like he knows how much Ryan Day has been an advocate for his players and all of a sudden, Ryan Day can't be there. Guys are testing positive for COVID-19. There's only so much that he can do. Um, and, and that's just so – I think that's difficult on him, difficult on the program as itself. And then you have that going on within the program. And then we're also talking about, like, the Big Ten championship, uh, whatever Ohio State does on the championship weekend, if they wouldn't make it, how, how, how it affects the playoff. There's just a lot that goes into it. Dan, what's, like – what is sort of the main thing that you've been thinking about in terms of – all of this um, for the past few days? Well, I think before we get into the college ball playoff and, and the Big Ten championship game implications, which which we are, I, I think it, it's worth starting with just why Ohio State made the decision to cancel this game. Because I think certainly there's conflicting opinions among Ohio State fans about that decision because Ohio State didn't have to cancel this game. It did cross one of the thresholds, the seven and a half percent, which is 
basically your population of your team. So, it, which means Ohio State had at least out of 170 tier one individuals, which is 120 players and 50 coaches and staff, at least 13 of those 170 tested positive. We know one of those is Ryan Day. We don't know who the others were or exactly how many there were. But Ohio State didn't cross the 5% test positivity threshold. So it could have played if it wanted to. That said, I do believe that Ohio State absolutely made the right call here. Because quite frankly, now again, I, I, I feel the need to couch this because I know how quickly things can change here. You know, we're, we're going to proceed forward with this podcast with the idea that Ohio State is going to play Michigan State on Saturday because Ohio State did resume practicing on Tuesday. That is the current plan. If Ohio State doesn't have more positive tests, it's going to play on Saturday. But things can change. So we understand that. But to me, I'm not an epidemiologist. So, you know, this is just my far from expert opinion here but i to me i i get the feeling that if ohio state had proceeded forward with playing on saturday things probably would have gotten worse because i mean this is we know this ohio state started to have positive tests pop up on wednesday it decided to proceed forward with practice on thursday ryan day was at that practice and then he tested positive on Friday. So that tells you right there that by continuing to conduct team activities after identifying some positive tests, that made things worse to ultimately get to the point where they got. So I think if they had continued with the trip and, and, and played that game, that most likely things would have gotten worse. So I think they made the right decision by stopping things when they did trying to get this thing under control. And so far as of Tuesday night, that appears to be the case here. But I think, you know, I, I know that there's some of you out there who look at it and say, Ohio state's playing it too safe. They're going to cost us a chance to compete for a championship by canceling this game. But to me, I think that was, absolutely the right decision to make because if things have gotten worse I don't know if we're talking about any chance to play a game this week and we might even be talking about no chance to play Michigan the week after yeah I mean I think you know when when the decision was made to me it felt you know on one hand like I think Gene Smith made the point that you know it felt like the right thing to do to cancel the game I mean you have guys continue to test positive into Friday. Um, and if guys are testing positive Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, how can you in good conscience, in good conscience feel a hundred percent confident that on Saturday, you're not going to have guys infected with COVID-19 traveling with the team and playing. And I don't think, uh, you know, that's just, I know, I know, you know, some schools would feel confident with that. But I think it makes sense from, from Ohio State's perspective, you know, just as, as human beings not to do that. But also, if we're going to talk from a football perspective, you're right. Like, like what, what they did by, by, by canceling this game before they hit the threshold, which would have forced them to, to 
you know, shut down the program for at least one week is they didn't, they ensured that they wouldn't reach that threshold. Because to me, if you were going to reach a threshold where you would have to shut down for one week, well, one, say, say in a hypothetical, they reached that on Friday. All of a sudden, they wouldn't be able to practice until the following Friday. Like Ohio State got back to practice on Tuesday instead of Friday. So if if you don't if you don't like if you shut down for a, for a week if, if something were to happen like that uh, where where things did end up continuing to get out of control and you ended up having to shut down for a week that to me is 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 more damaging to the football aspect than this where you, sure you cancel that game but then you are presumably in line to to potentially play against Michigan State and then certainly be back, back for Michigan as long as nothing else you know, bad were to happen on, on and either program in terms of COVID. So, so to me, it just like, it sort of logically makes sense. Um, things weren't getting better. They decided to, to pass on this one and, and see if they could get it, get it together. And it seems like they have, like, it seems like this decision has, has worked up to this point. And, and obviously everything is hour by hour, hour things can change. Um, but, but, you know, I think that they handled it. I, I think that they handled that decision correctly. I mean, to be honest, like I was wondering if they should have put it more, put, put the program more on pause earlier in the week when, when, when these, when these cases did start to pop up. And, and I do wonder, you know, if there were players that tested positive later in the week that wouldn't have, if, if they had done that. And, and, you know, these are the things that you just don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say that they should have or, or shouldn't have done that. Um, but I do think that that in terms of just football perspective, canceling the, the the Illinois game to me isn't isn't egregious. Like I feel like some have made it out to be. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like I mean, to me, I I mean, it's easy to second guess when you hear about more positive tests Friday. Why Ohio State practiced on Thursday? Why Ohio State was having a team Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday? I mean, I think those things are easy yeah. to second guess. At the same time, like you said. We don't know all the facts here. I think we need to be careful about jumping to conclusions about anything because we just, there's a lot that we don't know here, but I do, I do question some of that. And I, I, I do think that, you know, putting things on pause when they did, you know, because I mean, you know, you know, to me, I mean, it's, it's just natural to think that, okay, Ohio state was going to do everything it could to play that game because it knows it needs to play every game it can for its college ball playoff hopes. It needs to do everything it can to play as many games as possible to get into big 10 championship game to, to not think that that was part of the decision process as to why they went all the way until Friday at 10 PM, trying to play that game. You'd be naive not to think that even if they're saying it's not, it, it you'd be naive not to think that that wasn't part of a process, but I do think that, you know, at least from my perspective, they ultimately made the right decision by pausing things when they did. And, you know, now you, you have to hope that that's the worst you're going to get hit by it, you know, because I mean, that's the, the tough thing. This is just a reminder now that this can happen at any time. And, and it's a reminder too, because I think you know, there, there was so much talk about how great a job Ohio State was doing. And even Ryan Day, every time he got a question that kind of insinuated that Ohio State was doing such a great job with this, he always made sure to say, we're not there yet, but we've got a long way to go. And this can change at any time. And we saw that last week. 
And I, and I think that's important too, you know, whether we're talking about Ohio state or we're talking about anybody else is I, I think a lot of a narrative with this tends to go toward, you know, the teams who aren't getting COVID are doing a better job of preventing it than others. And while there might be some truth to that, the reality is it's a virus. It's, it, there's, there's, it doesn't matter how careful you are. There's nothing you can do to, to completely prevent the possibility that this virus is going to go through your team if, you, if you're bringing 120 players into a facility every day. So it, there's no way you can completely avoid it. And, and, I, and I think, you know, that's just important to recognize. But I, I, I do believe that Ohio State uh, has, you know, really done everything it possibly can to try to prevent this and to try to make the best decisions in the interest of their team. But that can only go so far. This is a pandemic. And we're seeing it just everywhere across the country right now, how it's affecting people. This thing, this can happen at any time. It could happen again. We hope it doesn't. I think this certainly serves. I think if a player, if the players needed any reminder about how quickly this thing can, can derail your season, they certainly got it last week. So I would think that they're going to be even stricter about following protocol from here on out. But there's just only so much you can do about this. There is. And I, you know, that's, that's the dangerous, that's the dangerous part of it. But, you know, to, to look at this just from a football aspect, to look at it just from the, the playoff, because I think that that's, I mean, I don't think, I know that that's what, that's what most people are, are, are thinking about right now. And, you know, it's understandable. Like, like you said earlier, like you'd be, you'd be naive to think that that wasn't part of Ohio State's decision-making and canceling in the same way that you would have been naive if you thought that that didn't play a role in Ohio State trying to push so hard for the season to be played. And you'd be naive if you didn't think that there or some, or, you know, Sean Wade, Wyatt Davis, Ohio State this season. Um, and, you know, that, that, that is such a big, such a big deal for them. And, 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 and they're in an interesting spot right now because I think that a lot of the conversation about, you know, what Ohio State, you know, what what would happen to Ohio State from a playoff perspective um, and, and sort of the worst case scenarios were about what happens if Ohio State isn't able to play on Saturday against Michigan State. And as of now, as we are recording this, things can change, but as we are, as we are recording this, they are on schedule to play that game. Um, if If Ohio State plays all its games and wins out, and, and, and let's just play the hypothetical. What if they don't even look very good? Like, are you, are you sure that, a, that, that an Ohio State team that, that wins out and plays two more regular season games, wins the Big Ten championship, gets into the playoff? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that if Ohio State plays the rest of its games, wins out, goes 7-0, Big Ten championship game, I, I'm pretty confident they're, they're going to be in for sure. Because I, I just, you know, the, the more I look at it, you know, even the last few days, like, how many teams are there that could really jump Ohio State in that situation? I mean, in that situation, I, I don't. I look at the teams behind them and I say, other than maybe Florida winning out 
beating Alabama in the SEC championship game. I don't think there's any other team that's going to have any chance of jumping Ohio State in that situation. So I, I think if Ohio State wins out, it's for sure going to be in the playoff. I think if there's additional cancellations, and this this conversation's worth having either way because we do know that Michigan is dealing with some COVID cases too. So as much as we don't even want to think about the possibility that the rivalry game might not happen, it, it, it's reality that, that, that that's a possibility right now. So we have to think about it. We have to discuss it. And so there's absolutely a possibility still here that Ohio state could have one of its next two games canceled. And if that happens, Ohio state would not play in the big 10 championship game unless the big 10 decides to change its rules, which I don't think it's going to do. I mean, there's some people who think the big 10 should do that to, you know, try to help Ohio state get into the playoffs. I'm, I'm not sure that it should at this point, but regardless, if we assume that Ohio state did have a game canceled and then wouldn't play in the big 10 championship game. That's where I think it starts to get more interesting because you do hear, you know, Gary Bard of a, the chairman of the selection committee, you know, just listening to him, you know, he, he, he's not going to say either way how it might affect Ohio state, but you can, you just get the sense that the committee does have some trepidation about Ohio state being as high as it is having only played four games. And I think, you know, if it only plays two more games, it doesn't play in a big 10 championship game. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I still think, I still think the situation probably favors Ohio state. If it wins out, you know, if, if that game is against a Wisconsin or an Iowa and that team is ranked too. I think that can be a fine win for Ohio State to help keep it in the top four if it's already there. But you know, I I, I do wonder. You know, you you hear the way they talked after Tuesday night's rankings, where there was a lot of discussion about Ohio State, Texas A and M. I mean, my guess would be then if Ohio State didn't play Michigan State this week and Texas A and M played this week and won, that then Texas A and M would probably be four next week. So you know, that's where things could start to get dicey. You know, I think, I think Ohio state still got a clear path if it can just win the rest of its games and play the rest of its games. But I think if any more games start to get canceled, you start to get to that point where the committee might get to the point where it starts to say, as Ohio state played enough games to really be a top 14. It's, it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating spot for the committee to be in. And it makes me, I mean, I mean, we've said it for the whole year. It makes me glad that I'm not on the committee because I don't. I really don't think that there's a right answer. I mean, on one hand, you look at Ohio State and you say, like, would you leave uh, if you're a committee member and and you would put them in as long as they play the rest of their games and they, you know, they they win them all. So if they didn't play against Michigan State and then they didn't make the Big Ten championship, and instead of playing Northwestern, they played Wisconsin, they won. Like, are you really going to leave them out of the playoff because they didn't play Michigan State and because they played Wisconsin instead of Northwestern? I don't know. I mean, that's that like that's just a tough sell. And, and I think it's a tough sell the other way, though, because you look at Ohio State and like Ohio State's played four games and we're an Ohio State podcast. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, we've 
we we've analyzed this whole team. We go back and listen to last week's show. Like it's not it's not like this team's perfect. Like it's not like we've looked at every single game and been like, I don't know how this team is possibly going to lose. I think that I I've thought that about this offense, but I certainly don't think that about this defense. And I think that I think that it's going to be pertinent if you know if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about scenarios in which they could potentially lose games. I think it's going to be pertinent for them to to look really good the next time they play. I mean, presuming it's this weekend and then, you know, hopefully against Michigan, I, I do think that it's going to be really important for them to actually look good and put together a, a, a you know, better game on, on both sides of the ball at once because, you know, I, I, on one hand, I think that the game, the, the amount of games matters a little bit, but I also think like you have to show that you are a playoff team. And, and I think that Ohio State has done that on offense. I don't necessarily know that they've done that on defense. And I think that the, that, that, you know, the, the fewer games that Ohio state plays, that's just the more, the more opportunities that, that people have on the committee to let that idea into their mind. I think that that's, that's maybe the issue more so than just the, the number of games, because if you're going to leave Ohio state out because they didn't play Michigan state or even a, you know, a subpar Michigan team, you know, I, I, I wouldn't totally understand that. Here's, the problem with that is it really fair and i'm not I, i'm not i'm not disagreeing at all that it could impact the committee's minds i guess i'm putting myself in the shoes of a committee member here if i was evaluating ohio state assuming ohio state plays this weekend is it really fair to expect ohio state to look like a an elite team this weekend when they're not going to have their head coach when they they've had chaos happen in the past week when they're probably going to be without some key players is, is it really fair to expect that Ohio State is going to be at its best this weekend I don't know that it's fair to to expect that but I just think that I think that when the when the sample size is so small, you sort of look at this Ohio State team and you're like, well, I mean, the first four games they had basically everybody. But say like in the scenario, say in the scenario, you know, one of these next two games gets canceled. And so you play the Big Ten, whatever whatever game you play in, in the final week of the Big Ten, and then one of these other two regular season games. Like then you're just talking about a roster that played a third of the season. Like it is, it is – you do wonder um, like what, what would these guys who are missing this game? um, What, what would the score have been? What would the game have played out if they would have actually played? But like, this would be the roster for a, for an entire third of the season. And even if that third of the season is just two games, I, I, I don't necessarily think that's fair for Ohio state, but I don't really know what the committee is supposed to do. Like it's, it's, I think the committee's just in an impossible position. And I think the committee just wants Ohio State to win out so it doesn't have and, and play every game so that it doesn't have to have this discussion. I do think it is clear. I think if Ohio State wins out, plays every game, wins out, I think it's in regardless of how impressively it, it looks in those games. I don't, I don't think, you know, part of this come, you know, I think, you know, the part that maybe I don't think about enough in this conversation is, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know that we're, even if Ohio State plays the rest of its games, I don't know if we're going to get to a point where we're for sure confident Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country because this season just makes it difficult to do that. I mean, it, it just makes it, 
you know, it's just so much more difficult to evaluate, you know, the, these teams the way they are this season. And, you know, I think for, you know, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, we've got a pretty good idea of those are, you know, probably the three best teams in the country right now, but, you know, for Ohio state, you know, it's, it's still, I think a lot of it is what they can be rather than what they are. And, you know, that's tough. I mean, it's December and we're still at that point, but I think the other side of it is just, if not Ohio state, then who? And I do think some of that, when I think about the answer to that, I think that can potentially help Ohio state here because I don't, I don't think there's any team on the outside looking in right now that I look at and say, you know, this team's an obvious candidate to jump Ohio state. You know, I think the, the worst case scenario I see on the board for Ohio state right now would be Florida beating Alabama in the SEC championship game. Cause I think if that happens and if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, those four teams could be your, your field. And that might knock Ohio state out. You know, I think the best case scenario is Alabama, Alabama beats Florida, Notre Dame beats Clemson. Cause then you knock Clemson and Florida out with two losses. And I think that, puts Ohio state in a much more secure spot as long as it wins out. I mean, obviously, obviously we're at the point now that, you know, Ohio state's path obviously hinges 100% on winning out. If Ohio state loses a game, it's completely out of this, but you know, I think if Ohio state wins out, I think if, if things fall the right way, I, I don't really see, you know, obvious candidates to jump them, you know, I, cause I Cincinnati, I don't, even if Cincinnati plays three more games, Ohio state plays one. I still don't think Cincinnati's getting in over Ohio state. I just don't think that's going to happen, whether it should or not. But, you know, you look at the other scenarios, I don't think there's a ton that present a ton of danger to Ohio state as long as it wins out. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's, you know, a lot, a lot of it does hinge on, what Alabama and on what the others do. I mean, it's, it is such a weird year where like the, what if game usually is already extremely complicated. (laughs) And now you're throwing in, what if Ohio state doesn't play a game and Ohio state's only played four games and two games in the regular season are remaining. Like this is, it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of an absurd it's it's an absurd question. It's an absurd what if, and it doesn't have great answers. You know, I would go back. You know, when when you when you ask the question about you know, you know, is it fair to Ohio State right now? I think Ohio State is being is still in the top four because of Justin Fields and because of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And to me, you know, if if Justin Fields is healthy, if he can play on Saturday, I think I think the committee will generally just view Ohio State as normal Ohio State. Um, maybe missing Ryan Day, and and you know I don't I don't necessarily know that that's you know the most fair thing in the world, but I mean Alabama just won without its head coach. Like other teams have played games without their head coaches. It's not it's not like this is the Ohio State's going to be the very first one. So you know it's it, a lot of it does hinge on what others do, and and yeah, there is the there is the scenario like you mentioned if Florida wins that that you know everybody has sort of brought up, and I do think that that's totally legit because. There is absolutely a scenario in which I, I think Ohio State could potentially win out and not get in. But, 
you know, I, I do think in general, like the odds are very, very high that, that if they went out there and, and, and I think, you know, I think Gary Barta had hinted at, you know, today, it does feel like that they're on the precipice of if there is another game canceled, something might happen bad for Ohio state. They might slip one spot further than, than someone would, uh, than someone would have had them before. And, and I don't know. I mean, we're in totally unprecedented territory as a sport and in Ohio state as well, because we're used to debating the should one loss Ohio state get in. We're not used to debating should six win Ohio state get in. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that can happen because I mean, we talk about all this. I mean, any game can get canceled. I mean, conference championship games can get canceled. You know I mean? There's, there's so many different variables at play here. I mean, Gary Barta admitted on the teleconference on Tuesday, he said, I really hope we don't ever have to deal with this again. And I think we're all in that boat, but we don't want to ever have to deal with this again. Can't but confirm. it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just such a, it's such a difficult spot to be in. And, you know, I mean, I, I, to me, I think a lot of times these things tend to work themselves out. And a lot of these debates end up being needless because things work themselves out. And I think there's still scenarios in which that could happen this year but there's scenarios where it might not because it's 2020 and there's just so many different variables. So by this time next week, we could be talking about some completely different variables here because that's just the way that, you know, this year is, but, you know, I I mean, obviously if you're Ohio state, (laughs) the only thing you can control, I mean, you can't even control whether you're going to play these games at this point, but the only thing you can really control is, if you get the opportunity to play on Saturday, you got to go up there and win and you got to look as good as possible doing it. And because uh, certainly, I mean, the, the eye test is a big factor here. And I think especially if, if games get canceled, I do think that is going to become uh, a lot more important because, you know, you, you hear the way, you know, Gary Bart is talking about, you know, every game's an opportunity to evaluate teams. I mean, they, they do. I mean, you're right. They do. I think they do want to see improvement from Ohio state, especially on the defensive side of a ball. And, you know, again, I mean, just depending on who's out here and, you know, that could potentially make things more difficult, but I, I, I think you are right that when we talk about, you know, how the committee would evaluate a player being out, if it's not just in fields, I think you're right that, other players, they probably would not put as much weight into that. I think obviously if Justin Fields was out, much like when Trevor Lawrence was out for Clemson in their one loss, uh, I think that is a factor in why they're still ranked number three. But I think you're probably right that just about any other player on the team, even if they're a really important player, the committee probably isn't going to put as much stock into that. So we got a couple questions on um... – on the playoff that we can get to. I mean, one, we, we've sort of talked a lot about from, I believe, Sanji about what a 5 Ohio State, I guess, in the regular season, make the playoffs. But there's another one from Nut in PA. I, I'll just hope that that is a Buckeye Nut in Pennsylvania um, who asks, if the Buckeyes complete their season 5-0 and and are left out of the college football playoff, what is to blame? That they only played five games in the unimpressive second halves, including the disastrous one versus Indiana. And I assume 5-0 and means 5-0 and in the regular season. Because if 5-0 and means that they only play – that they don't play any more regular season games and they play one more in the Big Ten Championship weekend, 
I would not exactly feel optimistic about Ohio State. Yeah, I'm not sure that's what it means. I mean, I mean, I think one of the questions is assuming another game or two gets canceled. So I think they might be thinking about, you know, what if Michigan State and Michigan both get canceled? It, it could be five and zero. Oh. I mean, I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a valid question because it's 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 not out of question here. But with the way things are going, it's it's that's a realistic possibility. Would five and zero oh make it? I mean, my guess is no. My guess is no because I mean, again, you're we're talking about. You know, if they, if they only play one more game in the next three weeks when they're already on the bubble here and they'd only have five games, my guess is that might keep them out. Um, you know, and, and in my and in my perspective on the second question, I do think that would have more to do with the fact that they only played five games. I, I, I don't I think the second part of it is legitimate because. You know, I think you look at Ohio State last year, like if that Ohio State team had only played a limited number of games, I think you still would have said this is clearly one of the four best teams in the country just because of how dominant they were. Whereas this team has not been that same level of dominant. So I think, you know, it creates more doubt. You know, I think to me, like when I look at the CFP rankings, you know, if it, if it truly is about, who are the best four teams? I think it is the teams that are in the top four right now. I mean, I, I agree with the teams that are in the top four right now, as in I think those are the four teams that are most capable of winning two games in the college football playoff and winning a national championship. So, you know, I think to me, even with some of those bad, you know, second halves we've seen, I still think Ohio State's got that reputation, but there comes a point where there just aren't enough games to back that up. So I think if Ohio state was to lose, you know, two more games, I mean, I'd say this, if, if Ohio state only plays one more game this year, then it better look damn good in that one game it plays. Yeah. I mean, I think to be honest, I think you made the case that it's more so how they've played than the five games, because I agree. I think last year's team probably would be in, Simply because, um, simply because uh, they just killed everybody. <laughs> I mean, it was sort of unbelievable, even in the moment. And this team, while it's done that at times, you know, for a half here, uh, you know, for for honestly every single first half, essentially, um, it hasn't really put together eight full halves that way. And and I think that you know, I would feel more confident about an Ohio State that in a worst case scenario, say they play one more game if they had just thoroughly dominated every, everybody in every minute. And, and, and that, that just hasn't really happened. In terms of, you know, that eye test, you know, I think, I think you're right. And, you know, another thing, like if you just listen to what like Gary Barta was saying on Tuesday too, like reading between the lines, like part of a reason why they didn't move Texas A&M above Ohio State was because Texas A&M looked just okay against LSU. Like I think if Texas A&M had beaten LSU 45 to seven, Texas A&M would probably be number four right now. That was kind of what Gary Barta insinuated because he said they really liked Texas A&M's defense, but they weren't all that impressed with Texas A&M's offense scoring only 20 points against an LSU team. That's been bad on defense. So I, I do think there's absolutely a factor in that 
this year. I think more than ever because of the fact that you are comparing these teams on unbalanced schedules. So, you know, I think that's another thing. If you're Ohio State, you got to be rooting for it too, is you got to be rooting that Texas A&M doesn't look that good the next couple of weeks. I mean, it would you'd really like to see Texas A&M lose, but you, you want to be rooting that, you know, these teams like Texas A&M and, and Florida that are pushing for you, you don't want them to look really good because you want the committee to remain convinced that Ohio State is better than these teams, regardless of how many games it plays. And if if one of these other teams can make a really strong case for itself, that could certainly change things. All right, lastly, as we sit here today, what percentage chance do you give Ohio State to be in the playoff? I mean, it's just so hard because it's there's so many variables that are. I know you got to break out the calculator. Right, that's a thing. Like it's 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 so hard. Like I don't know. I I want to say I'm like slightly over fifty percent right now, but there's just so many things. You know, like I'm inclined to say like sixty percent, but I think that sixty percent is based on thinking that Ohio state, you know, will play at least two more games here this year. And that obviously that it's going to win those games. Um, you know, there's just so many variables that can, that can change things, you know? So like if I have to predict right now, will Ohio state make the college ball playoff? I'm going to say yes. So I'm over 50%, but I can't say I'm well over 50% there. Yeah, when I asked it, like the immediate number that came into my mind was 65. And I felt, and then I started thinking, I was like, I think that might be a little too high. There's just so much unknown. I mean, there really is. I mean, you're going to have guys that Ohio State's going to not be playing with for the rest of the season until they reach the playoff, until they reach the, until they reach whatever bowl game they play in. They won't have, they, they won't have guys from Michigan. They won't have guys from Michigan State or, or uh, whoever they play in Big Ten Championship weekend. I think that, that that part is so hard, too, because part of my thing is just, like, will they get in in these scenarios? But you're also wondering, like, will they win and will they look good doing so? So I will settle on 62% just so I'm different than you because I was going to near 60%, um, and I don't want to land on the exact same number. Colin, just slightly more confident than me yes. that Ohio State will make the college yeah. ball playoff. Mentioned Michigan State. Don't don't want to spend too much time previewing this game here, considering that it's still tenuous. And you know, I mean, the thing about this game that's weird is like, if this was under normal circumstances, I think we both would confidently be predicting a blowout here. And I think we're still going to both be predicting that you know Ohio State wins this game probably by multiple scores. But there's just so many variables at play here that. You know, I mean, it's going to, I mean, truly it's going to be fascinating to see what Ohio State looks like if it plays this game, because, you know, we, you know, we, I mean, they've played one game in the last three weeks now. So it's been very disjointed. They're not going to have Ryan Day. So that's going to, you know, that's going to be fascinating from an offensive perspective of does the offense continue to run as smoothly without Ryan Day there calling the shots. You know, certainly I think, you know, Larry Johnson, uh, you know, being chosen as acting head coach, I mean, he's never been a head coach at the collegiate level before, but 
you know, we know the kind of respect he commands in a program. He's someone who's been there a long time. Uh, I would certainly think that on a, you know, acting head coach basis, uh, he's capable of doing it, you know, and I think it makes sense to have him take on that responsibility because then you can still have Kevin Wilson focus on the offense and you can still have Kerry Combs and Greg Madison focus on the defense. So I imagine, you know, that's a big reason why uh, they chose Larry uh, to handle that responsibility. But, you know, there's just a lot of variables to play. And then, you know, you add in the fact it might be bad weather on, on this weekend because I've seen, you know, the forecast changing where sometimes I look and it says it might snow on Saturday. Sometimes it says it doesn't, but either way, it's probably going to be cold. So just a lot of different variables here that to me makes it really tough to predict what Saturday's game is going to look like if it happens. I just thought it was hilarious on Sunday when the line comes out and it's like, all right, we don't, don't know if this game's going to happen. And we know that even if it does happen, Ohio will not have Ryan Day and several players and their 24-point favorite. <laughs> like, that was just so indicative to me of, one, where these two teams are, and, two, as long as you have Justin Fields, you're expected to win by by a lot. Um, in the Big Ten, I think that that's totally reasonable. I mean, it's the thing that I was gonna, I'm always gonna keep on coming back to. As long as he's on Ohio State's roster, as long as he's healthy, these Big Ten, these Big Ten teams in, in, in general aren't gonna be able to stop him. And you know, it'll be interesting to see him and you know, potentially uh, not so great weather. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily want to be playing outside in East Lansing in December. So my thoughts are with everybody who's on that field, <laughs> because that doesn't sound exactly thrilling. But yeah, I mean, if we're just talking about it from a football perspective, even if there are guys missing, I'm not really sure how I'm not supposed to be in, incredibly confident in this Ohio State team. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a game that I look at it and say, unless Ohio State's defense looks bad again, I don't know if this is a game, but we're really going to learn a lot about Ohio State's defense because Michigan State might have the worst offense in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I thought it was funny listening to Michigan State's press conference on Tuesday, and there were all these questions about how great the running game performed against Northwestern. The running game averaged less than 4.2 yards per carry against Northwestern. When Ohio State has 4.2 yards per carry in a game, Ohio State fans were losing their minds, and that was that was a – considered to be a great performance for Michigan State's rushing offense, which tells you how bad their rushing offense has been the rest of the year. Rocky Lombardi has been very inconsistent as a quarterback throughout his career. So if, if you're in a situation where you've got to rely on Rocky Lombardi to, to, to win you the game, you know, Indiana could do that with a healthy Michael Penix Jr. I don't know. I don't know. If Michigan State can do that with, with Rocky Lombardi. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, for an Ohio State team that we know has had some problems on def- on pass defense, I think this is a matchup that bodes well for Ohio State in that regard. And then, you know, you look at the other side of the ball, you know, I think Michigan State's defense has been decent, but do I think Michigan State's defense is going to be able to consistently slow down a Justin Fields, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson attack? No, I, I don't. So, you know, I think certainly on paper, this matchup favors Ohio State. 24-point spread, though, I'm still I'm not going to take the Buckeyes to cover in this one just because there's, there's so many unknowns going into this game. You add in the weather element. I, you know, I, I, this is one of those games, like, coming up with score predictions really hard, but 
something tells me this is going to be a lower scoring game for both teams than maybe it would look on paper uh, based on Ohio State's offense and defense. Like, I'm thinking like a 35-17 kind of game here. Yeah, I mean, uh, this Ohio State team feels like one where, you know, I'm more inclined to pick a closer game um, or, or even give a chance, uh, another team a chance, in my mind, to, to beat Ohio State if the other team has a good offense. I think having a good offense is more important than having a good defense when you're facing Ohio State because I think you're more likely to score on Ohio State's defense than slow down Ohio State's offense. And I apologize to Rocky Lombardi, who for three plays two years ago really made me think that he was John Elway, but he appears not to be John Elway two years later. And I just, you know, if, if Mel Tucker were to, to pull the upset on the Buckeyes, I would be flabbergasted. And I'm and I'm fine being, uh, you know, putting the crying Jordan meme on me for this one. If, if, if Mel Tucker wins, that would be an unbelievable, an unbelievable performance for, from, from his Spartans. So I feel eternally confident in a Justin Fields led Ohio state team, regardless of, of whether Ryan Day's on the sideline or not. So you taking the Buckeyes to cover or not? 24's big line, man. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the thing I keep coming back to, I, but I think it's reasonable because like I've said, like like I think we both made the point. Like Michigan State's not beat to build to beat, or sorry, built to beat Ohio State. Like this isn't. I I really don't think this is a great matchup for them. Sure, yeah, I'll be the one that picks them to cover because I've been wrong picking them to cover the whole season. Why not continue that? I'll go like, I don't know. I'm trying to do the math in my head. What like forty two, ten. I don't know. I feel confident in this team. And, and, and I do because I just think that the, this is a bad matchup for Michigan State. All right. Three things we think. Colin, what's a take you want to drop here? All right. I'm glad that we get to talk about three things that we think. Um, I think, uh, you know, I'll start off with this one because, you know, we, we actually haven't talked a lot about him because – there's just so much going on, but you know, part of me is just, I can't believe that this is Larry Johnson's first time being a head coach in college. I mean, for someone with his track record where like, you just think about what he's done for Ohio state. I mean, you, you, well, one, I think the, the, the contents you can give it is you look at what Kerry Combs did for Ohio state's cornerbacks. You look at what Ryan day has done for Ohio state's quarterbacks I think that that's just what Larry Johnson's done for Ohio State's defensive line ever since he, he arrived in, in 2014. And, you know, you look back at what he did in, what, 13 or 14 years as Penn State's defensive line coach, and, and you know, he was there even even longer than that. He was there almost two decades. And the fact that he never got a head coaching opportunity until, you know, this Saturday, and it's still going to be on an interim basis, you know, I think is, you know, unfortunate. And, and to be honest, I actually don't know the background there. I wish that I did, and and I wish that I knew further on on why he why this never really happened for him. Because to be honest, like I was, you know, may, maybe if I had given him more thought, I would have come up with Larry Johnson as the guy. But I still, I, I don't think that Larry Johnson would have been the guy who I would have guessed would be Ohio State's interim head coach. But I think that that tells you a lot about what Ohio State thinks about him and thinks about him and his ability to lead the entire team and not just the defensive line. Um, um, into this game. And, and, you know, I think it's on one hand, it's great for him to get this opportunity. On the other hand, you know, he's, he's probably too old to get hired as a, as a head coach at, at most places right now. And I wish that he would have. 
Yeah, I mean, I would have I would have guessed Kevin Wilson would be the acting head coach just because he was the guy that has the head coaching experience. But you know, I, I I mean, I agree. I think it's you know really cool for Larry to get this opportunity, and you know, I think you know certainly you know he I mean certainly he's he's a guy. I mean, you talk about someone who just has you know universal respect in the industry. I mean, he I mean he's a guy that legitimately could be considered the greatest defensive line coach in college football history. That's the kind of resume that he has. And uh, like, like you said, I don't know, you know, what, I don't know, you know, how aggressively he's pursued head coaching jobs. You know, I, I, I get the impression that, you know, he's, he's a guy that, you know, probably, you know, loves coaching defensive line and maybe, uh, maybe wouldn't have gone after some jobs. Um, you know, if he didn't think they were the perfect fit for him. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. Uh, but I do think it's cool for him to get this opportunity. I do think it definitely shows the respect uh, that, that he has from the program. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, noteworthy as you did that uh, he's going, you know, assuming that he gets the opportunity to coach on Saturday, he would be the first black man to serve as a head coach uh, at Ohio state. And I think you'd probably also like to make clear that by noting that he would be the first black head coach at Ohio state does not take away from everything else that he has accomplished in his career and should be recognized for, for his greatness as a defensive line coach. No, it's not. Um, and, and I think that people will not think about Larry Johnson's one game interim stint as Ohio state's head coach, but when they look back on, on his entire career, but I do think that, that it should be noteworthy of, of what he's accomplished. Dan, what is, what is one thing that you have been thinking about over the past week? I mean, I, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but just to go into it in a little bit more detail, I don't, I don't know if, you know, I don't really have a strong opinion on whether the six game minimum for the big 10 was the right decision, but I don't think the big 10 should change the rules just to benefit Ohio state. Now I think I, I obviously understand why Ohio state fans think that, but to me, the rules have been in place all season long. I think it's too late to change that now. You know, I, I, I get it from the argument's sake of Ohio state should do what it has to do to help its best team get in the playoff. And, and so I get it from that perspective, but I, you know, I, I, you know, to me, if Ohio state didn't play another game and, and then you just change the rules just to benefit them. I mean, to me, that would not be fair to, to Indiana, you know, but for, for playing under the rules that have been in place all year. So, so, so that, that's just my opinion on that is I, I don't think the big 10 should, should just change its rules just because it's benefits Ohio state. And, you know, I understand Ohio State fans saying, well, you know, you know, Ohio State should throw its weight around and try to get this change. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. I just don't think the Big Ten should change it just because it might benefit the Buckeyes two weeks before the Big Ten championship game is actually going to be played. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough because, you know, I, I, I to an extent I agree. Like everybody's quote, been playing under quote unquote the same rules. I just I don't really understand why the sits game rule is in effect. Um, I you know I maybe I've missed it, but I haven't really seen anyone given any great detail on on why there is a sits game minimum. 
So I, you know, I don't really understand why that can't be changed. Um, Dan, am I wrong? Or is there some reasoning that I have just completely glossed over? The Big Ten does not provide reasoning on a lot of things. They don't, they don't, they don't tend to <laughs> give, you know, a lot of detailed answers to inquiries about decisions they've made. Yeah. I probably should have remembered that when I asked for clarification on something earlier this year and it took two emails, two responses. And then I still never heard back and I just gave up. Um, but I, to me, it's just like, I don't really know what the reason is there. And if you're not going to put Ohio state in and, and you're going to put Indiana in when Ohio State beat Indiana, and the reason why you're not putting Ohio State in is because they wouldn't have played in this hypothetical scenario. We'll play like Michigan State, uh, Illinois, and Maryland. Like if you had played one of those three, then Ohio State gets in, and and because they didn't, all of a sudden Ohio State isn't allowed in, and the team that they beat gets in simply because they had you know fewer cases of COVID nineteen and didn't have you know, another team cancel a game. I I, I don't know. I, I just, I understand. I understand your point of view, but I don't really, I, I would have no problem with them changing it. I, I don't really know that I necessarily advocate for it. I don't really know why it was in place in the first place though. I don't know why they, I, I don't know why they boxed them in. I think the college football playoff does a great job of never boxing it in itself in. It never gives any rules and allows itself in the committee to do whatever it pleases. And I think that I don't really know why the big 10 did this in the first place. Yeah. I think maybe they were concerned about a team intentionally trying not to play games if it got to a point where it was clearly going to win its division, I think that's probably why they put this in place. You know, I don't think uh, that was ever really going to be a problem anyway, but that would be my guess. Yeah. And I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think a lot of what the big 10 has done has just made me say, yeah, I don't really understand it. So to me, it's just like, this is just sort of an arbitrary number. So I'm fine with them making a late decision to overrule it, but I also understand like, yeah, I mean, it has been the rule. So if they keep it, I would understand that too. I just, I'm not, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it. Honestly, it's just one of those things where I just wouldn't feel like I have a big opinion either way, which would mean that first take would never invite me back because I need a controversial take right here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not defending the big 10. I'm just, I, I, I just feel like the main justification for changing it now is, well, it's Ohio state. You know, I, I guess I just feel like there probably should be a better justification than that. What if the, what if the better justification is Ohio State beat Indiana and this is an arbitrary number? Yeah, that, I mean that I that I get for sure. But yeah, I mean it would be it would be weird for Indiana to make it just because uh, you know Ohio State only played five games when Ohio State beat Indiana. Um, but I mean Indiana could also I mean Indiana might play eight games so. You know, you could also say, well, you know, Indiana won, you know, let's say Indiana goes seven and one. I mean, you could say Indiana won you know, two more games than Ohio State. So I think there's an argument both ways there. All right. My number two thing that I've been thinking about, which I guess sort of came up today, is, you know, I enjoy the respect that Tuff Borland is getting as a as a fifth year senior because man, that guy has been torn apart by the, by by Ohio State fans, and I know many of you listening are those Ohio State fans that I'm talking about. And 
I am not someone who has always been the biggest tough Borland backer. Like I definitely can say that like 2018 tough Borland wasn't hundred percent sure what, what he was doing a lot of the time. And, and even last year, like, yeah, it felt like he was slow. It felt like, you know, it felt like he did his job fine, but that's sort of all it was is it was fine. I think legitimately he's played well this year. Like I think he's been a good linebacker this year and I think that fans are seeing that and correctly appreciating him for that. And also at the same time, like one, he's taking this fifth year leap, which again, I feel like, I feel like this is sort of a theme and, and I feel like this is something that I've just sort of been, I don't know, been talking about for a while now. And, and I feel like I need to write about it or something because it, it, I feel like it pops up more and more than people realize, but you know, on, on one hand you see tough having this fifth year rise and also people at the same time, looking back and being like, yeah, I mean, the guy has started. I mean, he'll have started like 40 plus games for Ohio State. He'll have been a three time captain. Like, this is sort of an incredible career. And, and I, I am happy for Tough for getting all of that respect and, and, and adulation after getting sort of torn apart on, on the old internet streets for, for a couple of years. Yeah, I think he's played well enough that he really has changed his perception in Ohio state's fans minds. And I wasn't sure that was going to be possible because I, I thought that the negative perception of him had been so cemented into people's brains, but I wasn't sure he was going to be able to overcome that. So I think that's indicative of how much better he's gotten. I mean, Jim Nagy, the executive director for the senior bowl after tough accepted his senior bowl invite on Tuesday said we rarely see this kind of late career jump from a guy that entered his senior season with 34 starts. So I think you're right. I think at at Ohio State, I think we've seen this a lot in recent years, whether we're talking about Terry McLaurin or Damon Arnett or Devon Hamilton or Jonathan Cooper. I think we've seen a lot of guys here in the last few years who have really made a big jump as a fifth-year senior. There's a lot of times that doesn't happen too. And and so I think the fact that Tuff has – you know, really taken his game to new levels and legitimized himself as an NFL prospect. Cause honestly, I, I would not have thought going into this season that tough Borland was a guy who would get a draftable grade from the NFL. And I think now he's put himself in that position. I'll give credit to our colleague, Kyle Jones, who was arguing about that in our Slack channel saying that tough was going to play in the NFL. And I think most of the rest of us disagreed with him. And I think now we agree with him because I think, Again, I, I think Tuff has played legitimately better this year. I mean, I, I think, you know, that's an important point to make that, like, I don't think Tuff Borland before this year was playing NFL level football. I don't. I think this year he legitimately has. But that's a credit to him for continuing to get better and to take his game to new heights, even after he's been a starter for almost three full seasons before this point. All right. What's the third thing you've been thinking about? Well, I'm glad that Kirk Herbstreet apologized after he threw this out there on the college football playoff selection show on Tuesday night. But I know I went on a rant about this in free things either last week or the week before. I'm going to do it again because we've, we're already starting with the conspiracy theories about how Michigan is going to use COVID-19 as an excuse to back out of playing Ohio State. First of all, I mean, when I see this coming from Ohio State fans, a mere three days after Ohio State has 
voluntarily canceled a game that it's playing in. I just want to be like, come on, guys. Because, I mean, I mean, I saw some Illinois fans saying that on Friday and Saturday, and I thought it was equally ridiculous that they were saying that, that Ohio State was trying to dodge Illinois because it was worried it would get upset without some of its players. I thought that was equally ridiculous. But just these narratives, and, and I know, you know, Kirk Herstreet and Joel Klatt, they both kind of indicated that some coaches have told them that they think this is happening and maybe coaches have, but I don't think those coaches are correct. I, I, I think this idea that teams are, are dodging teams. They don't want to play because of COVID. I, I think is frankly, I think it's ridiculous because, you know, may, you know, may, you know, maybe there's some coaches in their minds who, who, you know, maybe they don't they don't want to play a certain team because they're worried they're going to get blown out. But I mean, think about what these players on all teams, not just Ohio State, but all teams have had to go through to be able to play this season, the sacrifices they've had to make. And you really think that there's teams out there where the players just don't want to play because they're worried they're going to get beat. I just do not believe that one bit. And I, I absolutely do not think that Michigan pausing activities the past couple of days has anything to do with Michigan trying to give itself an excuse not to play Ohio State. I absolutely do not think Michigan is going to back out of the Ohio State game to screw Ohio State over. I, 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 just, I just think that this narrative is ridiculous. And quite frankly, I think it's even more ridiculous when – it's coming from Ohio state fans who can't see the irony of saying this after Ohio state just canceled a game itself. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with, I agree with your, uh, your all rant and I knew it was coming. And I think, uh, you know, when, when he's, when Kirk Herbstreit said that on the college football playoff um, reveal on Tuesday, I was just sort of caught off guard. I was like, is he actually saying that? I thought Reese Davis did a great job of saying, Hey man, like I'll give you a chance on national TV right now. Do you want to walk those comments back? And I sort of thought Herb Street would take him up on that. And he didn't really do that at all. He sort of just continued down the same path. And to his credit, like he put out a, a, an apology video that I watched and like, I thought it was very well done because like, yeah, I, I don't, he was just recklessly speculating and he admitted to doing that. And he also admitted like, yeah, I mean, it's a little crazy. I mean, it is a crazy year. I thought it was, I thought it was a, a totally reasonable apology video to, to, to be honest, but yeah, I mean, I, I wish that the conspiracy theories would stop because I, I don't know. I, I just don't think this is happening. I, I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I give, I give Kirk credit for, apologizing quickly you know i think i completely agree with you on Reese. i think reese knew kirk was going to regret what he said and he tried to bail him out and, and kirk did not take it but i do give him credit for for you know quickly realizing his mistake and, and apologizing and putting out what i think was a sincere uh you know apology that and, and you know admission that what he said was frankly irresponsible because it was it was i mean i i understand it you know, fans are always going to have conspiracy theories. It's, it's part of being a sports fan. I totally, I totally understand that. But as a, as a national college football analyst and someone in Kirk Herbstreet, who, I mean, it, it was, it, the thing that's actually funny about hearing it come from him is he's a guy who a lot of Ohio state fans 
think is anti Ohio state simply because he, he doesn't show a lot of overt bias toward them. Uh, but, but that was, that was just, you know, straight out of uh, conspiracy theory message board land. And, and as a national, you know, a national, you know, as someone who's got a well-respected voice in the industry, it, it, it's irresponsible, you know, a thing to be putting out there. I, you know, I also recognize, I mean, there's times you record this podcast and then afterwards I think, well, I probably shouldn't have said that thing the way I said it. So I recognize that uh, live TV is difficult and I'll give him a pass on this one. But yeah, I, I just think the conspiracy theories over this are, have gotten ridiculous. That said, like if we just want to go down the conspiracy theory train, it'd be the coldest thing of all time. <laughs> if Michigan were to actually cancel a game so that Ohio State couldn't get to the Big Ten Championship. Like, it, listen, I don't think that that's even remotely what is actually happening. But if we want to play the what if game, like that would be, if that were actually proven 100% correct, that would be insane. That, that would just be absolutely nuts. It would be but, insane. Yeah. My third thing I've been thinking about. I'll take it. I'll take uh, take one shot at basketball, which is um, I have been to a game this season at the Schottenstein Center, and I've been to a game this season at the Covelli Center, and I uh, shockingly have come out as a pro Covelli Center member of the Ohio State media, which is to say, if you're not going to have fans in the game, uh, fans at games, just play them at the Covelli Center. I just think it, it it it's so much better of an environment for for everybody who's there because I just got to say like being at the shot it was just so cavernous for that first game it was just like it felt so weird I mean I remember being at the shot for a, a uh, you know it was a team camp which is essentially you know in the in in the summer when Ohio State welcomes a bunch of of high of high schools mainly from Ohio but also other states to to play games at their facility and all the coaches there watch and evaluate and you know it's a, it's a you know it's a fun event. Um, and there's basically nobody in the crowd. And like, that's, I, I remember Malachi Brand, Ohio state commit and, and Indiana commit Logan Duncan. They played on that court at the shot center. And after that game is when Logan Duncan got his offer from Ohio state. Um, and it sort of took me back to that game because there were almost as many fans there um, as there were uh, or, or, or people in the, in the building as there were um, for the season opener at the shot. And it just feels so weird being the shot with, like 150 people. I mean, it, I can't stress how weird that thing is. Um, that said, I don't think that they're going to play any games in the Govelli center after Wednesday, because it feels like to me, I asked Chris Holtman about this on Tuesday. Um, does he think that they're going to play anymore? And to me, it just feels like he doesn't want to play anymore. Like he, he likes the shot. And I, and I know a lot of people don't like the shot, but when it's your home arena and you're really used to it, you're used to the routine, you're used to how the shots look like they, it, 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 not to say that it feels like you're going on the road when you play at the Covelli center, but it's just a different feel. Like it isn't the home, it isn't the home arena for them. So I understand why they would prefer to play at the shop, but from a, from a viewing perspective, from a feeling like it's not as weird perspective, the Covelli center edges out the shot in, in all aspects. Yeah, I wasn't on the press conference on Tuesday, but I heard him on the radio on Monday, and I definitely got that same impression that he uh, he he definitely wants to play games in Rashad. He's not a huge fan of these games, uh, home games that are not in their actual uh, primary home arena. But I'm I was not shocked by your take. <laughs> I will say that. I mean, who 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 wouldn't prefer to play games 
in a, I don't know. I mean, it felt, I, I actually don't know the size of the Covelli center, but like, it felt like a low major type arena in terms of the amount of people, but it was actually, I mean, it's a beautiful arena inside versus the shot where you have 18,000. I mean, it just, it makes a lot more sense logically. I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'd probably beat a dead horse with my last take and I probably am again, but the last, the last thing I'm going to say is, you know, and, and I, I thought about this even more after last week. And, you know, then you start to think about, you know, we don't know which players are going to be out, but, you know, we know that, you know, the guys who are out, you know, we're not going to see them play, you know, the next couple games, you know, I mean, there could be guys who miss senior day. I mean, there could be guys who miss their final Michigan game. And, and it just, you know, made me think about the fact that, you know, in this 2020, I, I, I just want to implore you as an Ohio State fan that if Ohio State plays Saturday or whatever games it plays this year, just appreciate the fact that they're playing. Enjoy the fact that you're watching Justin Fields and Garrett Wilson and, you know, all these great players who are out there. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Be glad that we're seeing any Ohio State football this fall because that almost didn't happen. And there's just no guarantee for how many games are, are, are going to happen the rest of this year. And I know it's, I know it's hard not to view everything in the prism of is Ohio state going to win a national championship is Ohio state going to make the college football playoff. But the reality is here, this whole season, it's so tenuous and nothing is guaranteed that every game being played to some extent, is a victory in itself. And if Ohio state can come out of that game, you know, with a win after everything it's had to go through this year, I really think that you as an Ohio state fan should, should try to appreciate every game for what it is, because we haven't seen a lot this year. There aren't many left. We have no idea how many are going to be left just because of the way 2020 is. And so I just implore you as an Ohio state fan to just, Try to appreciate it for, for what it is because there's some great players that aren't going to be playing at Ohio State again after this year. And this is one of those seasons you can blink and you can miss it with the amount of games they're playing. So every game you get to watch, I know it's hard not to think about all the team's faults and that might keep them from winning a national championship. But right now, there's no guarantees of anything in terms of postseason, So enjoy every game you get. It's funny. You mentioned you could blink and you could miss it. I was just thinking like you could blink and miss nothing too. <laughs> That's the way this season has gone. It is a, it is a weird, weird year. And I think that, you know, I, I don't think anybody's taking anything for granted anymore, especially Justin Fields. Cause there's, I mean, we don't need to lie. Justin Fields is gone after this year. He, he's playing a maximum an absolute maximum of five more games in Ohio State uniform. That's if they play two more regular season games, one on Big Ten Championship weekend and two in the playoff. I mean, he could play who knows how few he could play. But, you know, there's not going to be much Justin Fields left. And, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how his NFL career goes. But he's had one heck of a college career. The fact that it's December and we're talking about is Ohio State maybe going to play its fifth game this weekend. I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around that. Nothing makes sense, but it's 2020 and I have given up on having anything make sense. So question time. We've got, we've got a few. Um, 
We can start from OSU Bias, who asks, we, we'll, we'll just make the call. Will the conference change the game minimum requirements for the for the uh, conference championship game participation? Yes or no, Dan? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think they actually will. Do you? All right, I'm there with you too. I think it's no, and I think that we probably would have already either heard rumblings about that potentially happening, or it it would have already happened. I, I, you know, I think it can be changed. I mean, it's just so arbitrary. It really is. Um, so so I don't think I don't think that that. I, I I do think this is more of a guess than than us. Yeah, I mean, the reality is the answer could change depending on whether Ohio State. Well, actually, I, I say that like it's a conspiracy theory, but it it really isn't because if Ohio State plays its next two games, this becomes irrelevant anyway. Because North North, well, I guess if Northwestern's got to win its next two as well, because Wisconsin, you know, could theoretically if there was no minimum, they could theoretically become the top team in the big 10 West, but that's that, that would still take a lot happening. So if Ohio state plays its next two games and wins its next two games, this is going to be a non-issue anyway. It's going to be Ohio state and Northwestern in the big 10 championship game. Uh, but you know, that it, it really could be something that comes up if it's needed to come up, which would be if Ohio state has a game canceled. Yeah, it's um, – I mean, it's funny. When you're dealing with the Big Ten, it's like, how do I predict what the Big Ten will do? <laughs> I mean, good luck. Good right. luck, man. I, I don't know. OSU Bias also asked, what else can 2020 screw up? Is 2020 the Jim Harbaugh of years? Started out fine, looked promising for a game or two, month or two in parentheses, then absolutely shit its pants for the rest of the seasons last year, picking up L's left and right. I don't know if that's really a question. I just wanted to include it because I thought it was funny. That's very fair. And, you know, maybe the Jim Harbaugh of years, you felt like 2020 is going to be the perfect year. And then all of a sudden you just feel like this thing has to end. And you know what? If this is the Jim Harbaugh of years, then I sure hope Jim Harbaugh gets fired because I need, I need, I need 2020 to end. And I need this, uh, yeah, this horrifying year to, to, to end when it actually is supposed to end and not drag into 2021. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing about that, but uh, if it's the Jim Harbaugh years, I really hope that means that it's going to be over in 2021 because I do not feel like dealing with another year of this. Oh, pretty Ricky asked who is the next domino to fall commit in the 2021 class 2022. Who is a surprise last second flip for the 2021 class? If there is one. We asked our recruiting analyst, Zach Carpenter, for some insight on this. He said that he would he would guess Emeka Egbuka, which I'm sure is a name you'd all like to hear, as the next domino to fall commit in the 2021 class. That would be very good news for Ohio State if it happens. For 2022, his top guesses for the next commit would be either Kion Grace or Armani Winfield, which are a pair of receivers, Grays from Arizona, Winfield from Texas, or Sean Murphy, linebacker, five-star linebacker from Virginia, though he thinks it'll still probably be a longer wait on Murphy. And in regards to uh, the 2021 class, he the two, the two potential flips, if there was going to be one, would be either, I don't know how to pronounce the name, is it Rajon Davis? Yeah. From... He's, he's committed to LSU linebacker 
Uh, he's a guy they've been pursuing for a while. Or uh, Terrence Rankle, uh, offensive tackle, who's currently uh, committed to Pitt. If Tristan Lee goes elsewhere, which looks like will probably happen at this point, then Rankle might be a candidate to get a late offer here. And in Zach's words, if, if Rankle was to get an offer in the next couple of weeks, he believes he would almost certainly flip from Pitt. So uh, there's your expert analysis from someone who knows more about recruiting than we do. So the answers are in 2021, the best wide receiver in the country, uh, the flip candidate is a five-star linebacker in 2021. And the 2022 is the guy who reminds everybody of Chris Olave, a top 100 wide receiver and a five-star linebacker. So, yeah, I mean, seems pretty good. I bleed SNG asks most impressive basket buck two games in Colin, who are you going with? Okay, I just realized I read that as I bleed sand G earlier instead of <laughs> S and G, which has got to be just the dumbest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. So, wow, I I, I just am very embarrassed. But um, <laughs> that's a you know it's a good question. Um, you know, how can I go with anybody other than Justice Suing though? You know. I mean, you know, he's been, he, he was someone who I felt like I was super high on before the season. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that maybe Dwayne Washington leads them in scoring and, and maybe he's the odds on favorite to do that just because like, he's not going to come out of the game much. He's going to fire up a lot of shots. Sure. He's going to be streaky, but he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to be launching, but I was really high on justice suing. And I think that, you know, you've seen early on why that is the case, because like, I think, I think justice, you know, he gives them an element that they definitely haven't had the last two years uh, and that he can get to the line. And also he's really good in transition. He's a smooth scorer. You know, he is, he's just a good guy to, to, to rely on, um, especially on the offensive end. And he's, I just, uh, he's, he's stronger than I really thought he was. Um, I think he's going to be an efficient scorer. You know, they, they, they want to work with him on the defensive side of the ball. I know. Um, but in terms of just the first couple of games, I've just been really impressed by him, especially on offense. Yeah, I think Justice Suing's the obvious answer. I mean, looking just at the stats for two games, leads the team in points, rebounds, steals. I think he's been their best player. I think he really is. Give him a scoring boost. But I want to give an honorable mention to Zed Key because I I don't think I was expecting Zed Key to be their top player off the bench in his first two games as a true freshman, but he has been the first player off the bench and he's averaging 10 points and four and a half rebounds per game for two games. So I really like what I've seen from Zed key as someone who I think is going to make a bigger impact as a true freshman than I would have anticipated. I feel I, I I felt like I, you know, now that I look back on, I feel like I should have gone more out on the limb for Zed key because I always enjoyed Zed key and and Zed key always felt like, like I, I remember back when they all first offered him, like he might've been like the 320th best player in the country in his class. Like he was very low rated. And to those who don't know the story is um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was the, gosh, the top 100 camp. I don't remember exactly what camp it was, Um, but it was last summer. um, He went there. I think it was in, it was in Charlottesville, Virginia, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And, you know, there were a lot of four-star, five-star prospects there and Zed Key went in and really dominated down low and he picked up a ton of offers. He ended up having, you know, more than a, more than a couple dozen offers by the time he was done. I think that week, you know, I, I believe he was picking up more than an offer a day. Ohio state was one of them. 
um, and, and they landed him. And I think that, you know, the interesting thing about him is, you know, he's one of those guys who is a pretty high, high, high floor player. Like when you're bringing in Zed key, you're not thinking like, maybe he just isn't going to be able to play any minutes. Like, I think the question with Zed key is like, what, what does he look like in three or four years? Cause he's going to be a four year player for Ohio state. I mean, that is always the idea with him. Um, and I think the, the, the fact that he's contributing so, so quickly, I think that really speaks to one. I, I think it speaks to two things. One, how ready he is to play right away. And also like, if we're being honest that, you know, the post play is a little bit of a weakness on this team. And it's just because like, who do they turn to? I mean, Kyle Young is the starting center. He's six, eight, two twenty-five, And then you look around and it's like, uh, they got nobody else other than Zed key and Ibrahim Diallo who didn't even play in the second game. So um, this is, they, they are going to have to rely on Zed key a lot more than I think a lot of people realize. And, and honestly, including me, I thought Zed key was going to play a, a role in this team. I didn't necessarily think he was going to be the first on the bench two games in a row. Min Buck asked, what changes, if any, do you expect in the secondary in the next game? Here's what, here's what I would say. It's a, it's a little late in our podcast for us to get into a lot of detail on that. I would say that we got into a lot of detail on it on our last podcast. So hopefully you listen to that. And then my point there is if we're talking about a secondary that has everybody available, then everything that I said last week would still apply this week, but I don't know exactly who's going to be available in the secondary because of everything that's going on. So you know, I, I, you know, I don't think I would change, you know, anything that I really said last week in terms of uh, the, the, the past defense, but there's just so many variables going into this game that that makes it even harder to predict about personnel changes and scheme changes and anything that Ohio State might do on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it, it's tough, too, because you don't necessarily know what they've been able to work on. Like, they, right. they, I'm sure they went in with a plan last week of here's how we're going to go about it, and then that thing falls apart. And then you look this week, and sure, they get back to practice Tuesday, but are you really able to to accomplish what you wanted to? I, I, I don't really know. Um, or or maybe, you know, you have a little bit of extra time. I mean, it, it could really play either way. And, and, yeah, I mean, one of the answers is personnel. Like, do they have everybody? they miss one or two dudes because if they miss one or two, then you probably aren't going to change a whole lot. And, you know, I, I do think you're going to see, I, I don't think, I think the one thing I say, I don't think you're going to see the exact same guys. Like, I, I don't agree. think we're going to walk into this and see the exact same, uh, as long as everybody's available, see the exact same um, stuff. And, and whether that's Josh Proctor playing more at deep safety, whether that's giving some of the younger guys a look at cornerback. I, I really don't have a great idea on what they're going to do. I think that's one of the interesting parts of this game. <laughs> the only bad part is like, what are we supposed to do? Like grade them against Rocky Lombardi? Like, yeah, if they get torn up by Rocky Lombardi, that's probably not a great sign. And look, here's the deal. You you talk about getting young guys. This applies to every position. I mean, at some positions they might be forced to because of a situation they're in right now. But beyond that, like this might be your last chance. If you're going to get guys in, like, I mean, like, I started thinking about it last week. Like there's a very, and this is going off on a tangent and we could talk about this more after the season, but I mean, we're getting to the point now where it's a very real possibility that CJ Stroud and Jack Miller might not throw any passes this year. I mean, they might go into a starting quarterback battle next year without throwing any passes. If it doesn't happen real soon, it isn't going to happen because 
they're just running out of time for that to happen. So, you know, to me, I think, is, especially in the secondary, uh, if, if you think there's any young guys who can help you, uh, you better find a way to get them in, in the game on Saturday when you're going against Rocky Lombardi, because I don't think you're going to have many ever chances to throw these guys in the fire. No, it's a good point. And I think that that's, you know, it would be, it would be great to see them. I'm not banking on anything. I, no, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I have, I just, I'm, I'm done banking on anything in 2020. Give me that year. Give me that season. Final question. It's a little bit of an inside baseball question here from Tussie. He said, I know that beat writers get access to sensitive information and wait for an announcement for the school or player before releasing an article. I'm not asking for any names, more just wondering if you were given the specifics around the COVID-19 testing and who tested positive, or if this is something where you are just in the dark as the rest of us. Well, I guess what I would say here is that it's really not a one or the other situation here. I mean, I, I mean, I tell you this and full truth. Uh, I, I am not sitting here with knowledge of every player who tested positive and, and just sitting on it and, and keeping it secret because I have to, but I don't know. I mean, I've, I have, I heard rumors about certain things that I have not reported because I, I cannot confirm them. Yes. I, I, I have heard rumors. I think Colin has too. There are, you know, there are things that float around that you hear. Um, you know, it, it is my opinion in, in a case like this that we need to be even more careful than usual because, you know, we're talking about COVID-19 here. You know, I, you know, I think it's, you know, we're not talking about where a recruit's going to commit or who's going to start at a position or something like that. You know, we're talking about players' health here. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we're in a position where, you know, unless something is, you know, entirely confirmed, uh, that a player has COVID-19. It, it's not something that we can speculate about or, or talk about because, you know, that's just the reality of this situation, you know? And I mean, you know, and, and just to clarify on the first point, you know, we don't always wait on an announcement from the school before saying something, you know, I mean, there might be uh, some outlets that do that, but that, you know, there, there are times that we do not do that. Um, but, this is a very delicate situation. You know, this is, this is a situation where I think we all have to exercise more caution uh, than, than we typically would. And we're still learning. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's like, I'm, I'm still kind of learning how to navigate this because it's just so different than anything we've ever had to navigate before. But um, the, the truth is I don't know the exact number of positives. I don't know for sure. Any of the players who, who tested positive, or, or didn't test positive. So that's the primary reason why we haven't reported anything on that front, because we just, we just don't know. And, and, and we don't want to be wrong. Um, and it's also a fluid situation. You know, I mean, you think back to what happened with the Justin Hilliard situation where, you know, he, he tested positive and then that was determined to be a false positive. You know, sometimes you hear a rumor about something that a guy might've tested positive and then, you hear that it was a false positive. So it, it's such a fluid situation that, you know, I, I, I totally respect that, you know, fans want answers. And sometimes I have people DMing me asking me if I've heard or they're DMing me something they've heard and they're asking me if it's true. And I, 
I totally get it, but it's just one of those situations where uh, we have to proceed with caution. And I think we're always better off being a little more careful when we're dealing with something like this than we are to just throw out everything we know, because we're not, you know, we're not talking about a, you know, a commitment or a depth chart or anything like that here. Uh, we're, we're talking about a pandemic and it, and it just creates uh, some challenges, quite frankly, for us as reporters that are different than what we typically have to deal with. Yeah. And these aren't professionals. Like it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're dealing with someone making $20 million. Like we're literally de- talking about whether college students are sick. Like if we drill down on it, like that's what it is. So I don't think people are in a rush um, to, to report specific names. I think that's totally reasonable. Like I think Ohio State released their status report on, on Friday before the, the Saturday game. And like it'll, as, as long as they do, I mean, they could just wait until Saturday morning. Um, but, but if they release the status report on Friday, I think, you know, it's gonna be hard for people not to speculate about about you know who's missing and whatnot. But to be honest, like it doesn't matter when the status reports release. Like spe- that speculation will will follow. But in terms of you know this question and asking you know access to sensitive information and and all kinds of that stuff is is yeah. I mean, I mean, sure you, you hear certain things, but when it comes to COVID nineteen, like it to to be honest, like that's a little different than a lot of other things. Like it it just is. Like it like it feels like it should be treated differently too because this isn't, this isn't like an injury on the field. Like this is a virus. Like to me, that's different. And that can be separated. Like we're human beings. Like, it's not like I can not tell the difference between the two, um, you know, and, and I, I, I understand the speculation like you. Um, and if I were on the other side, like I would be, I'd be speculating all the time. Um, but it is not a situation where, you know, I think there's some times where, Ohio State does either like give a heads up on something or, you know, tell you something's coming or, or like just to just to help you out and like help you prepare. Um, and this is not one of those times at all. Like Ohio State has been very um, secretive and understandably so. Like I'm, I'm sure that we would all like them to <laughs> to not be a secretive at all, because to be honest, like in some respects, like that would help public health um and and it would help to know how what is actually happening within the woody hayes athletic center um but you know to this point like they're not changing their stance so it's you know we i think we've we both made our case on that and i I don't think it's changing anytime soon so now this is going to be one of those times where until ohio state actually releases that status report I, i don't think anything will really leak no, no, because I think I think if it was going to, it would have by now, because we're now talking a week almost since this this information first in terms of just positive tests start to leak out. And there really haven't been any concrete uh, names, you know, that have been confirmed at this point of players who tested positive. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do. I, I think, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. You know, it, it, it makes it tough on it makes it tougher on us for sure because we we kind of you know you, you have to preview a game analyze a game without knowing exactly who's going to play but you know that that's just 2020 and you know it, it, i think it's it's good it's going to make things fascinating i mean regardless of when the status report comes out like it's going to be fascinating because you know we're, we're going to be you know watching you know if this game happens on saturday there's probably going to be some new starters out there uh just because 
you know, there might be guys who can't play. And so, you know, we, we, we might kind of be finding out with everyone else about those things uh, a couple hours before the game in, in some cases, but you know, that that's just the reality of, of 2020. And, you know, we, you know, obviously that we hope that this is not uh, something that we're dealing with beyond 2020, but you know, for this year, it's just one of those things that uh, we all have to navigate the best we possibly can. Yeah, if the worst if the worst we get in 2020 is not being able to fully preview the Ohio State Michigan State game, then we are we're we're we are okay. Well, aside from that, you know, we hope that you all enjoyed this week's podcast. Lots of stuff to talk about. We hope that when you're listening to this podcast, that it's not outdated because I'm sure we couldn't say that for some other recent episodes. So, uh, I want to thank you all again uh, for listening in. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have, you know, some football to talk about next week and we'll talk to you then.